this morning for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask, Lord, that your word be clear, that it be accurate, balanced, and clear. We ask you, Lord, for your spirit that makes preaching easy, and we ask that you in this service will be glorified and may your people be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to just talk a little bit more about the woman with the issue of blood because I wanted to cover a couple of the talking points or walking points that I didn't get a chance to get into last week uh, regarding this lady. Um, by the way, I'm going to do something different that I don't normally do. I'm going to give you the Monday morning moment right off the, right off the bat. Here's the Monday morning moment. It is, it's similar to, to, to last week's Monday morning moment, but, but there are some differences. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to read to you last week's Monday morning moment, and then I'll, I'll share this week's. So last week, the Monday morning moment was, it was not her touching Jesus, but her trusting Jesus that brought her healing. That's, that was the Monday morning moment from last Sunday. You guys remember that? It was not her touching Jesus, but her trusting Jesus that brought her healing. The Monday morning moment for this week is many people incidentally touch Jesus that day, but only the woman was healed because her touch was intentional. Intentional versus incidental. Intentional versus incidental. That's probably a sermon title that could be used. You know, this is a shout out to Todd and, and Rod and Reg. Uh, that's a sermon title that could be used because this was an amazing situation that occurred that day. I don't know what day of the week it's on. I've read some historians that say that this occurred probably on, on a Wednesday because of its juxtaposition with the Passover coming up. But whatever day of the week is on, it was an oh happy day for the woman, right? Can you imagine suffering of any disease? I don't care if it's, if it's a common cold. If you go through something for 12 years, I don't care how minor it is. You can have, could we even tolerate a toothache for 12 years? Probably not. Uh, we couldn't tolerate most things for 12 years. This, this lady was bleeding, hemorrhaging out of control for 12 years and had spent every dime. There was no Medicare. There was no Medicaid. There was no urgent care. She was dealing with quacks and superstitious witch doctors and crazy people and maybe a few legitimate doctors, but I, I, I didn't even want to go into some of the remedies that I read that were possibly used because they were just so ridiculous and some of them were gross. This lady was subjected to probably all kinds of, all kinds of abuse and medical malpractice and just horrible things that she endured. So one of the questions I wanted to answer or talk about is, how do we have faith when Jesus seems to be ignoring us? And I thought about that because of the woman who was trying to get her daughter healed of demon possession. And the Lord said, I can't give you, who is a non-Jew outside of our family, what is reserved for the children. Remember that? He said, I can't throw to, he used a, a it, it was a derogatory term to us. It, it had a little different of a nuanced meaning to them, which we won't go into because I don't want to re-ask the sermon. 
but he said to, to the dogs. And whereas the woman could have taken great offense to such a derogatory remark, she said, yes. She said, I agree. Yes, Lord. And so I, I, I asked the question, how do I have faith when Jesus seems to be ignoring me? And um, one of the scriptures that, that came to my mind is that we keep asking. We keep agreeing with whatever he wants to do. I Yes, Lord. If you're delaying, you're delaying for a reason. Because the Lord don't need to delay, right? How many of you know that? How many of you know that what the Bible says in Matthew 6, that the Lord knows what we have need of, according to Matthew 6, even before we ask? How many of you know that timing is not a challenge to God? God is not challenged by, by timelines. He's not under the same sort of constrictions time-wise that we are. The Lord operates outside of the time continuum. He operates outside of the laws of physics. He operates outside of what we see in the universe and we perceive with our senses. He's above that. He transcends that. Time is not of the essence. We learned today that the Lord took four days. It was four days that Lazarus had been dead before Jesus showed up. Four days. The body had set into full decomposition mode. He was oozing probably green fluids. There was nothing alive. I read that the brain stops, the heart starts to shrivel, all the fluids have left the body. The body is going into full decay mode. Even Mary and Martha said that he stinks by now. This was a bad situation. By the way, some of you that think that they were protesting um, him opening the door or saying like, you know, the Lord, he stinketh by now, uh, that rather than just opening, rolling away the stones, well, perhaps they didn't want to smell the odor, which would have been very repulsive after four days, uh, probably in, a, in an arid area, a, a tr not a tropical area, but certainly a desert area, where the decomposition would have perhaps been accelerated. And, and, and you know, the response by the sisters is like, Lord, do you really want to do this to us? You know, there, there, or in other words, maybe she was also saying, Lord, you, you don't want to see him in this condition. Whatever her reason for her gentle, perhaps mild protest, she didn't want to expose anyone to this situation. But I'm here to tell you this. When the Lord delays, he's not ignoring us. He has a divine reason for his time frame. He has a divine reason for why he doesn't instantly heal us, why he doesn't instantly help our finances, why he doesn't instantly give us a spouse or a job or a, or a car or whatever it is we're in the need of. He doesn't instantly help us pay our bills. He doesn't instantly remove the conflict of our neighbors playing their stereo at 10, at 3 in the morning. I know, my neighbor, my neighbor's neighbor. Wow. My neighbor complained to me wow. because of her neighbor we live in a condo so i'm attached to her and she's attached to him and they're playing their stereo really loud in the wee hours of the morning which is interesting to me because in my condo complex the lady that's connected next to him called the police on her neighbor connected to her because his tv was too loud 
call the police. I'm saying, why didn't you just knock on this door? So the police came. And by the way, the neighbor was so upset about it, the neighbor moved. The neighbor that had the police called on them was so indignant about it, I guess because he's a, a retired doctor from the Cleveland Clinic, he thought he was been above that, like, you don't be calling the police on me, on my TV. So dude just moved. He left. I don't know if that was the reason, but it certainly probably contributed to it because his wife talked to me about it, and she was very upset. I think, I think Rod said something really great this morning in Sunday school, that uh, this, this thing with, with Mary and Martha, that the Lord was also emphasizing the purpose of fellowship and the reason why we need to get along and work together and resolve our differences among ourselves and have communication rather than jumping to even, you know, Jesus even said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't just when you have a conflict, don't just run and get the judge. Don't get a lawyer. Don't you learn how to work it out among yourselves. I think there's something to be said about that. So what do I do when Jesus seems to be ignoring me? Here's what Genesis 32, 26, Tim preached an amazing sermon back at Indian Hills on this very uh, subject. I, it says, then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. This man, by the way, is a theophany. This is a pre-incarnate existence or pre-incarnate represent a, a visitation of Jesus uh, prior to his incarnation. So it's, you might as well say Jesus said, um, uh, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, this is the real Jacob in the present at the time in Genesis 32, I will not let you go until you bless me. There's just something that God admires about tenacity. There, there's something about the woman over in Luke 18 that kept going to the judge about getting justice. And the judge said, I don't care about people and I don't care about doing the right thing. But this woman is, I'm reading from the New, El, New Living Translation, but this woman is driving me crazy. So I'm going to see that she gets justice. That was a lesson on not giving up, not quitting. I'm, I'm moving around because I want to make sure everybody in the back can see me because we got these beams going on. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm But I want you to know that the Lord admires tenacity. He says, when it says in Matthew 5 about knock and it shall be open, ask and it shall be given and seek you shall find. The actual Greek grammar suggested that means keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't get discouraged because somebody called you a name. You keep knocking. Don't get discouraged because your malady or illness isn't healed instantaneously. You keep asking. You keep pleading. This woman with, this woman with the issue of blood would not, if you look at the chosen clip, it, she wasn't discouraged by the fact that the high priest and the rabbi told her to get back. You're unclean. You're ceremonial unclean. You're unwelcome. She didn't get discouraged by the fact that she was a woman. This was a pretty much male-dominated uh, ministry. She wasn't discouraged by the fact that she was so supposed to stay from people because touching them would also make them ceremonially unclean. That didn't stop her from whatever she had to do, crawl, walk, scoot on her belly, whatever it took to get to the hem of Jesus' garment, she made it her business. I am, I, I imagine that she said, I am not going home today until I get to Jesus. Y'all can stop me. You better shoot me because anything less than that, I'm getting to Jesus. Either I'm going to die trying or I'm getting to Jesus. 
Amen. 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 This this lady is my she's my new best friend because she was not gonna be denied getting healed. She had nothing else left. I had one of my questions I didn't share with you guys last week. I said, Do you guys think this was a Hail Mary? I don't think it was a Hail Mary. A Hail Mary is that as a last ditch attempt and you just give it all you got. I don't think that was her process. This lady had been saying in her mind, because the Bible gives us this little insight. If I can just this is before, by the way, this was even before anything happened, ladies and gentlemen, before any miracle transpired. The lady said in herself, this is faith talking. Faith comes by hearing, according to Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. She said to herself, if I can just touch his garment, if I can just touch his clothes, I don't, he doesn't have to necessarily feel that I'm making physical contact. If I can just get the perimeter, the, the peripheral of his clothes, any part of him, I can be healed. This was a woman that was very deliberate. That's why I say that touch was not incidental. The touch was intentional. She knew what she was doing, and she expected the result that she got. I don't know that she expected it to be so soon that it was so immediate, but boy, oh boy, I can't imagine a person in all of Palestine that was happier that day than this woman. Can you just imagine her feeling? Oh my goodness. Oh my God. I tell you, this, this is, this is it's, it's moments like this that we see a, a, an additional manifestation of God's power, but we see the miraculous every day every day and we we should learn to and that that's why it kind of bothers me sometimes when i see people running after tent meetings and revivals and so-called miracle services and healing services and deliverance and services because guess what god is able to do what we quote unquote call the miraculous during the normal parts of any day God doesn't need a special meeting, an evangelist from Tulsa or a healer from Tampa Bay. God doesn't need these so-called special uh, people to do the miraculous on his behalf. Amen. God is able to do whatever he wants to do whenever, wherever, and through whomever he chooses. Amen. In 2 Chronicles 20, when King Jehoshaphat prayed that prayer, Lord, we have three nations with a total of about a million soldiers coming at us, and we are going to be annihilated, and we've, you've helped these people before. And see how they repay us? And I remember King Jehoshaphat said, we don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. Remember that? Second Chronicles 20, and the Lord sent the answer, not, and I've said this before, not through Jehoshaphat. He didn't send the answer through somebody with a so-called title, a person that has, has an office, a prophet, a seer, a minister, a bishop, an elder, a deacon. He sent the message through Jehaziel, who was, if I'm not mistaken, a choir member, a singer, someone that would not have necessarily been in the quote-unquote pecking order of the, of, the, of the kingdom and didn't have a title or an official position. God can use anybody. God can do it however he wants to do it. We don't have to, every day that we wake up is a miracle. The fact that we're here this morning is a miracle. The fact that we're breathing is a miracle. 
Try being on a machine. Try not being able to breathe. Try, try not being able to breathe today. The little things that we relegate as normal, as perfunctory, as being natural and normal, those things are miracles from the standpoint that we couldn't do them without God's help. What constitutes a miracle? A good working definition might be things that we can't do for ourselves. Question number two I asked, don't worry, there's only three. What do I do when I don't get what I want from the Lord? Well, here's the answer that I love. I love what Habakkuk sat down and wrote. Whether this is poetry or prose, whether this was a song or a hymn, Habakkuk wrote down and, and, and said, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, he said, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine. That may sound poetic to you. It may sound like flowery language. I'll put it in 2023 vernacular. Even when we don't have a job, even when there's no income coming, even when the doctor has given us a bad report, even when our employer has given us a pink slip, even when the attorney has served us with a divorce notification, even when we've received an eviction notice from our landlord, even when the car just won't run and you can't get it fixed one more time, even when there are problems at home and at school and at work, even when there seems like there's no hope, guys. That, that's what Habakkuk is saying. He's just using this language that, that pretty much encompasses just transitional from a, from a generational standpoint, even though the figs have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, because this is more of an agricultural society, he says, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Doesn't that sound like what I just described in 2023? Pretty gloomy report. This is bad news. I don't care when you live in. And in 20, 2000 BC or 2000 AD, this is a bad report. Habakkuk says, here's the answer. He says, yet. Yet. That, that, let me, let me, I, you know what, when I was researching this, when I was researching this, I stopped there because the word yet there, it's only a three-letter word in English. But it, what, it's, what it's saying to us is, let me use a couple of synonyms. Instead of saying yet, he might have said, in spite of that. All of this notwithstanding. Nevertheless, nonetheless, I don't care. That's not going to be a problem. That may be happening, but... Or he could have said, however. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> just to, to me, when, when, I, when I'm looking at this, those three letters yet, just it just didn't seem like enough. <laughs> Instead, of, this is just too small. This is too inconsequential based on what he is about to say. But nevertheless, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord, that capital L-O-R-D, that's the tetragrammogram. 
tetragrammaton for Yahweh, the vowelist words that, that says that this is the God of the universe. This is Yahweh. This is his Hebrew name. I am that I am is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. The King James, I, believe, I think, renders it, he makes my feet like hinds feet, and he makes me to walk on high places. In other words, I talked about that some years ago. It just shows the sure-footedness of there are some goats, some ram, some in that deer family that are able to actually tread on slopes that are almost 90 degrees in their, in their, in their height, in, in the uh, angle. They're just able to, to operate on almost a, a straight vertical surface. They have such sure-footedness. We would just fall over. Gravity would just take us down. But, but these animals, this, this family of, of goat, ram, deer, whatever family they're in, are able to tread these treacherous heights at, at, at dizzying angles and heights and, and survive. And that's what the Lord gives us, that same level of security and stability. Amen. So that's what we do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, all, I'm almost done. My, my last point, my last point, and that is how, how, Pastor Will, how, dear Lord, more importantly, do I deal with my depression and discouragement? Because I'm just imagining that this lady is just at her wit's end. I'm, I'm, thinking, about, I'm thinking about her psychological status. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about her psyche. Where is she emotionally? Where is she mentally? She has no money. No one seems to have an answer physically. Doctors, witch doctors, voodoo guys, whoever, legit, illegit, no one has an answer. You know, none of the remedies of that day were working. And you just have no other recourse other than, than suicide or to suffer with this. And I'm so glad that she didn't contemplate uh, suicide. Well, we don't know if she contemplated, but I'm so glad that she didn't go that route because people are doing that at an alarming rate today. It's, it's at a, this, this, I don't know if you're following all this stuff going on with trans uh, and so forth, but, but a, a lot of these, these people that are, are making this decision, uh, this, trans, this trans decision, those that, some, many that I've read and, and, and listened to podcasts talking about it, having regrets, committing suicide, and especially in the processes or in cases where it's irreversible, but even when it's not irreversible, the, what, what kids that make this decision and some adults don't always contemplate is the emotional and psychological impact that performing this transition will have on them. That's not discussed a lot. And, and counseling is not required in some, in some uh, jurisdictions where, where kids want to make this decision. There are some places where the decision can be made from, by minors without adult intervention. But even when adults contemplate it and agree with it, the psychological backlash of undoing something that God did. Now, you, you're messing with God's work. Psalms 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made as we are, as we are. I, I know that's a highly charged, politically polarizing subject, but I will tell you this, the Bible addresses it. And I feel like if, this, if it's a biblical 
principle, if it's in scripture, then it's fair game for theologians and preachers and ministers to weigh in on it. You don't have to accept, you know, our point of view. You don't have to accept God's point of view, but I think it's fair for us to put it out there in the marketplace of ideas that God has something to say about trans. He has something to say about the LGBT community with Pride Month coming up. God has, God has something to say about that. There, there, are, there are passages, there are scriptures in the word that we can bring to bear. I don't think that we should step away from that conversation. I'm not saying that we have to go in with both guns loaded, but I think that Christians, and I don't even know how I got into this, but I, it's, it's part of depression and discouragement that I've read that so many trans kids and adults are going through uh, and people that are, are having, that are wrestling with gender identity and, and other things that, that we don't hear so much about. And I wanted to get into that because I'm a student of, I love, I love psychology. I love psychiatry. I love that particular discipline of the mind. Actually, it was, it was a minor of mine in school uh, that didn't materialize, but I wanted to know about the mind and how powerful it is. And so I, so I read these articles. I listen to these podcasts that talk about the mental aspect of, of some of these issues. And it's, it's, some, it's something that doesn't reach the headlines. You're not going to hear about it on CNN. You're not going to read about it in the New York Times. You're not going to see it on your favorite podcast news feed because it's not talked about a lot, but it's a very, very real thing. And discouragement and depression to the point of suicide is a very real subject. And the trans people, the people that are involved in these discussions aren't bringing that up. It's not being discussed. And, and Romans 1 discusses it at, at length. 1 Corinthians 6 discusses it at length. And the, the fact is that sin is so much of a part of our being. It's more than just physical committing a sin. There is a psychological and spiritual aspect to sin, to any consequences that we, that we acts that we do that have spiritual consequences. And, and this, is, this is a beautiful thing that Jesus says to this lady as I close. He said to her daughter, and I told you the Greek word there. I, I looked that up because it was, to me, that was a high point of that conversation because this lady had been so dejected and rejected by society. No one wanted her. She probably wasn't, if she were married, she had been excommunicated from her family, from her husband, from her spouse. She had been thrown out of the community. The Bible lets us know very clearly in Le Leviticus chapter 15 that she was not allowed to enter worship. She couldn't enter the temple. So she's just ost ostracized. She's just castigated. She has nowhere to go, no one to talk to, no one to confide in, no one to even share her pain and suffering from having this awful 12-year-old disease. And she's just out there in an island, on an island by herself with nowhere to go. Can you imagine? We talk about the physical aspects of having a 12-year disorder. How about the mental, emotional, psychological aspects of having a 12-year disorder? And you have no one to talk to about it. You can't sit down with a therapist or a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or even your best friend, no doubt. No one wanted to be around you. You were persona non grata. You were anathema. You were unwelcomed. So she has all this bottled up in her. Not just the disorder, the hemorrhaging constantly. If you look at the Chosen video, it's just she's dealing with it even perhaps as she's approaching Jesus, but 
we can't see the, the mental aspect of this, which is what's intriguing to me. Where was she psychologically? The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. <laughs> I just, I, I'm gonna, <coughs> I'm gonna sit down, but I just, I just, when I read that, I looked at multiple different translations, and I'm gonna tell you, the NLT just hit it out of the park for me on this one, because we know, I know this verse very well from the KJV and the NASB, and even the ESV, but, but, but the, NT, the, the NLT just says, don't worry about anything, and I like how it rhymes, Instead, pray about everything. Paul echoes that in 1 Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, I think it is. Pray without ceasing is another passage that talks about uh, just continuing to pray. <coughs> Excuse me. And so um, I have, I'm going to just finish reading this verse because I think it's just a great verse. He says, tell God what you need. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. He says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. My, my, my dear cousin, Sister Velma Lewis, used to always quote uh, Jude 1.20. Actually, it's just Jude 20 because Jude is only one chapter. And I love it. But, but be ye beloved, but ye beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Remember that, Reg? Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, just just that, that comfort of knowing that with the Holy Spirit in us, he can just build us and elevate us. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. Boy, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm not done, but I'm quitting. I'm, I promise there won't be a part three to this. But there's just so many more interesting things about this encounter that I think are faith-building lessons for us. Faith-building lessons. Helping us build and be strong. I'm answering just one second, Jamie. Let me just pray. Lord, I just thank you for this lesson. I pray that you will enlighten our hearts from these passages, that you will touch us. Anyone that might be contemplating suicide or depression or discouragement or, or having issues, Lord, uh, dealing with problems of our society, some of the social injustices, some of the social challenges. And, and uh, all the things that we have to deal with, with sickness, Lord, and the, the, the medical community and the doctors and insurance companies and getting health care and getting proper care and getting mental and psychological care. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for people like Sister Delilah who helps and Sister Calvet who helps people in this area of dealing with the mind, Lord, the, the area between our ears that needs to be addressed as well as our body, Lord. Please bless those people. Give them insights. Give them the understanding, Lord, of how to help your people. And may we be blessed as a result of those gifts being in the body. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you.